This week on NASCAR Dosage, my buddy CJ and I will go over our thoughts on who should be in the SRX, our weekends, him being at New Hampshire, Lime Rock, and adventuring the Northeast, and me adventuring faster horses. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Before we get the discussion started, here's a word from our sponsors at Anchor. I love beer. <laughs> That's my buddy CJ. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's he's on the other side of the camera, so obviously he cannot see you. But we're gonna record the podcast that I have because uh, I can't do it at home. No, very well. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to us band here. I mean, we might talk about beer at some point. We get pretty off topic. I love beer. Like, I'm yeah, sitting usually. with a Miller Lite <laughs> behind me, and I'm wearing a Bush Latte hat. So, you know. And I'm drinking a Corona. And you're wearing a Captain Morgan hat. <laughs> <laughs> That's the intro for the podcast right there. <laughs> you guys going to talk about beer? Maybe. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I mean, we'll you don't how- tell me what to do. <laughs> We'll see how off topic we get. I imagine very. Although. (laughs) What is that? Well, yeah. So today's going to be a little bit more candid than last week. Or last episode, I feel like. I'm excited for this week. I put some thought into this. You put some thought into this on a piece of cardboard. Yeah. And you know where it came from? I'll give you a hint. (laughs) <laughs> you asked if we were going to talk about it i had nothing around nothing around to write on and i was like oh wait a second i was just gonna take well speaking of beer we can start off with some news about a guy who's usually sponsored by some beer because we did not talk about that last episode and how he's gonna be a partial owner in the future no matter what he does and that yep. is brad keselowski moving to roush fenway racing next year yep I think it's a smart move. Oh, hands down. Hands down, it's a smart move. I like it. He Brad had said when he signed with Penske that one of the reasons that he loved the idea was that it was all Detroit. It was in Michigan. He's a Michigan native, just like you. And, you know, Jack Roush is kind of Mr. Detroit in a lot of ways. You know, he was the guy that coined the term real race cars have doors. You know, so that to me, I think Brad's always had ambitions of going and doing other forms of racing, tested an IndyCar tested a daytona prototype it's a great idea i uh i firmly believe that this will be the correct move and probably one of the biggest moves for the next 15 to 20 years in my opinion i mean the only other one is going to be when hamlin obviously full-time retires and is just doing the managerial side of 2311 but yep yep it's that stake in having a long-term investment in the sport you know, yeah. I, I really hope they don't rename the whole team because I feel like that would be outrageous to try and say all of that. It would be Roush Fenway racing, right? Like, why? <laughs> this is onomatopoeia race team. <laughs> it'd be a RFKR. Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, that pretty quick. That was good. That was good. <laughs> it just seems like too much. I, I think it would be a nice nod to keep it Roush racing. Yeah, but that's just I mean, me. I feel like we'll see that with um uh what's it called? Oh, Hendrick. When Gordon when Gordon's the main guy there, yeah. it'll be Hendrick Motorsport. It'll just say Hendrick, yeah. I don't think he'll do that to them. Yeah. 
for sure. Hang on. This is going to be great noise for a second. It is 11. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Nowhere is near the same. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Don't judge me. I need a beer after that one. Uh, I wish. One. I have a bunch right there. They might not be the coldest, but, you know. Beer is beer. Beer is beer. Beer is beer. Since I'm wearing a hat, let's see how cold they are. Oh, it's pretty cold. I think we might be doing an episode where we're drinking a little bit. Oh, shit. Now I feel like I need to break some rules here. <laughs> you know what? Hang on. This is going to be a very unprofessional day. <laughs> oh, boy. Like Mine tastes like a bush light. Mm. Yeah, regular bush light might not be the best, but you know what? It's cheap as fuck. Is that an angry orchard right there? Not quite, and I cannot believe that I'm doing this right now. <laughs> you know something? When in Rome, I'll say it's only eleven. Drink, Come on. drink Boston beer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, this okay. Is a new release one. There you go. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. So I know that sophisticated Sam Adams. I'm over here drinking a fucking eighty-nine cent beer. <laughs> It's your cousin from Boston. <laughs> well, so, yeah, speaking of beer and all that, what sponsors do you think he brings with him? Beer. That's a <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I really don't know, to be honest. I think that um, I would look at it as whatever sponsors show up on the two that don't show up on the other cars. So Featherlight wouldn't surprise me. I think that was one of them. Um, they're like, um, I feel like Freightliner. That's what it yeah. was. Freightliner. It was Freightliner. Thank you. Yeah, it was Freightliner. I could see yep. them going. Um, uh, worth. Yep, worth. I don't I think. Don't think Discount Tire does. I don't really remember. I don't think so, because I don't remember seeing it on any of the other cars. I feel like the only one that ever ran the Discount Tire car was Brett. Well, so it's possible. Cindric occasionally would run the discount tire in Xfinity. So right, which is what I was gonna say is you don't I don't know if that was maybe they're a corporate sponsor, you know. So you look at like Rick Ware Racing and they have Nurtech on literally every car every in every series. Yeah. yeah. So you don't know if it's you know, they're just sponsoring the whole operation, not just the car, but We'll see. I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think that the bigger thing in my eyes is what can you attract for sponsorship? Alliance goes with him. I could sure. see Alliance going for sure. Um, Wabash. Yep. Snap-on won't because Snap-on's also on Penske's IndyCars. 
Right. Snap-on, I think, is just a Penske sponsor. Yeah. It's much like how um, Pertec is, Penzoil is, Menards is. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Those are stakeholders. You know, those are essentially the stakeholders of the team. You know, a great example like Ally. You know, Ally basically owns the 48 car, and that's why Bowman was in it and not Larson. Not because yeah. of any other reason, you know. Well, I mean, there, there was a reason why that, that was the case. Not for any know, other reason. You know? <laughs> we don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I think everyone's moved on from that. <laughs> I don't uh, think that will ever die. But no. I'm okay with it because as long as he keeps winning, I really do think that we can talk about my prediction on that in a little bit. But I think that that five car is the biggest fear of every other person on the field right now. Oh, oh, hands down. I mean, without a doubt. But since we're sitting here doing a little bit of drinking. 11-11, make a wish. Wonderful wonderful background commentary by by Jake over here. I think he wished for more beer. (laughs) He always (laughs) wishes for more beer. (laughs) The fridge in my garage is full of beer. Yes, but it can it can never be too full. It's a fair assessment. I'm like I said at the, the top of the show. I am excited for this week. Oh yeah, I, we will. I put some thought into this list. So you've seen my list. Yeah, and we'll talk about what that list is in just a second. But you've seen my list. I have not seen your list. Oh, my so I am very intrigued to see what you think of. We decided this week we were going to try and each come up with a list of ten drivers that we would like to see compete in the SRX field and why. So that's the list I'm referring to. I have it, as you can't see, but written on a piece of Coors Light (laughs) cardboard box, my top five I'd like to see in SRX. Well, let's jump into it then. Let's just go over your five and then I will give my five. How about you give one? And I'll give my first and then you go so that you'll have the last one. And this is an order of least wanted to see if that makes sense to who I'd like to see the most in here. So my first is Travis Pastrana. I think that Travis, he ran the prelude to the dream way ever back when um, in a dirt late model, he's got a lot of experience on dirt. He's very basically as much um, Scott speeds teammate now as anything else. So he's not only a form of the sport but he is a champion he has records in rally america of being ostensibly the top guy at his game right now the first four years travis pastrana drove for subaru rally team usa he won four straight championships four consecutive rally america championships which is insane that's incredibly competitive really easy accessible racing you know to factory team but he is one of the greats at his sport not only does everybody know him for you know, the X games and whatever else, he is a very gifted rally driver. So that's my first pick. I would like to see Travis Pastrana in SRX. Travis Pastrana, that is definitely a guy that I have enjoyed watching for the better part of, well, I can almost say my entire lifetime. He's my hero. That guy's my hero. (laughs) That guy's been doing stuff for 20 years and just unmatched on almost everything he does. Um, It's insane. His ability to drive just about anything. Sure. He seemed like a NASCAR bust, but also 
He, he flat out said he thought NASCAR was boring, you know, so I don't know that it was a bust so much as he, he didn't, it didn't interest him. <laughs> yeah. And um, I feel like the biggest thing with that is um, he also got thrown into Roush when they weren't their best. Right. And right. I think that's one thing no one is realizing when they look back at his time in NASCAR is that when he ran in the Xfinity series, Roush was already one foot out the door with their Xfinity team. Right. They didn't care anymore. You know, and, no. and ironically, we talk about sponsorship. That car was one of the most iconic for how cool it looked. Not a lot of people realized it was sponsored by Nitro Circus. Nitro Circus is a huge entity, a huge business founded by him. Everything that's you know extreme action sports. I kind of see him as still being very much the top in this game. And Nitro Rallycross Tour is coming up soon. And if you have not seen the track in uh, at Miller Motorsports Park that Travis designed, you need to stop this podcast and go look at it right now. It is exactly what GRC was back in you know early teens of 2000s. And it was some of the most spectacular racing you will ever see. And with that all launching coming up, we know Scott's speed is already going to be quick. Again, his teammate at Subaru. I highly, highly anticipate Travis Pastrana maybe adds another major title to his resume. So that's that's my first pick, Travis Pastrana. I'm going to go out on the limb here. And because he's only running the road courses and the ovals do partake. No, they don't. So I'm just basically going out on a prayer here. I like this. First pick is the wild card for you. <laughs> Get seven time. Get yeah. seven time. Nothing else needs to even be said at that point. Get Jimmy Johnson in one of these cars and just let him go to town on everyone. I can't remember if that was one of your guys or not. I was just going to say, I, I just had to cross that off my list. I'll think of somebody else in the meantime. That'll be All my right. like, off-the-cuff pick. But I totally agree. And oh, my yeah. reasonings why is... Pretty straightforward, man. I think Jimmy Johnson is the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. I know a lot of people are going to be like, a lot of people. Yeah, and I really don't care. Get over it. Because if you look at what the state of the sports were for the other two, they're legends. They're greats. They all deserve to be at that big, well-lit thing at the end of the you know Hall of Fame hall. But I, I think Jimmy Johnson is the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. What he does in IndyCar doesn't matter. The fact that he has enough balls to go to IndyCar and try it, I love that pick, and I really, truly cannot see how it doesn't happen when his own teammate, Tony Kanaan, a really co-driver if you look at the season and how they're scoring it, if he can do it, Jimmy can do it 100% on board with that pick. Well, the biggest thing with Kanaan was um... – all the road courses were going on those six weeks or just not racing in general. Right. right. So he was able to do it four out of the six weeks. I think he ended up racing. Yeah. Yeah. Something no. like that. Yeah. He raced four out of the six weeks because Deegan did three races when she was only supposed to do two, but those two races originally scheduled were the weeks that Kanan couldn't. So. And that makes sense. And I wholeheartedly think that, you saw several drivers and several different cars throughout the season. That was what made SRX so much fun to watch. You could just basically do the same thing in IndyCar. Some weeks is going to be Kanan, some weeks is Jimmy Johnson. And I do really, truly think that it's a very primitive form of racing in SRX. You don't have spotters. You have one crew chief that's also got three other cars they're working with, including you. That takes a lot of that extra out. And I think it's why you saw Chase win his debut 
And I think not only should that qualify Jimmy Johnson to be on SRX, I will even go out even further on a limb and say Jimmy Johnson would win in his first three races in SRX. I mean, look at Tony. Tony was a 49 race winner and three times champion. Jimmy Johnson beats him on both of those stats. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wholeheartedly agree. And I think that while Jim, while Tony got two wins in SRX this season, I don't know that. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know that Jimmy couldn't already be more successful than Tony as soon as he jumps into SRX because like I said, this, this form of racing is very, very grassroots. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that Jimmy Johnson excels at. Yes and no, because he came from a lot more of a dirt background than anything else. You got to remember, right. he was running stadium trucks before they were a thing. Right. And I, I think that that level of car control and whatnot clearly showed throughout his career. Yeah. But I, I wholeheartedly well, like that. Overqualifying. if you want to talk about one standout moment of car control (laughs) absolutely incredible that was awesome to watch and speaking of car control that close to the wall (laughs) i love daryl waltrip's commentary on it and right there you should nose into the wall and then right there you should have nosed into the wall the man has incredible natural talent jimmy johnson srx which leads me on the topic of car control to my next pick and again kind of going off that theme of all the branches of motorsports who are the greats right now that qualify. The second or number four on my list is Sebastian Loeb. All right. I will take that out of my list. (laughs) (laughs) And for probably the same reasons, Sebastian Loeb, if you don't follow world rally championship and hill climbs, you know, I think a lot of people may not know. My mother was born and raised Colorado Springs, base of Pikes Peak. Pikes Peak International Hill Climb, one of the longest running auto races in the world. Sebastian Loeb is a multi-time World Rally Championship winner, multi-time Pikes Peak Hill Climb winner. He has, I believe, raced in top-level motorsports endurance racing. He is still very much active, still very much in the hunt to possibly go for another WRC title. He is undoubtedly one of the best in his field i think sebastian loeb to srx would be really really fun to watch yes but does he bring drink beer oh my god (laughs) 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 oh shit oh my god very well all right then that was jake's wonderful notion that he's, <laughs> beer. That's, he's already almost finishes so my next one Stop attacking me. is a is a european he um he gets blamed for not having quite the car control these days but he is still a four-time consecutive and this is me wishing on all levels of the world that you know where you're going with this and i already like yes it is the one fine german who used to drive for ferrari and now drives for ashton martin one sebastian vettel that would be interesting. What? <laughs> Dude, I could see you can't. I mean, Mark Webber was supposed to race this year, obviously wasn't able to due to travel, you know, that was still going on with Europe. Yeah. But yep. Obviously, it may not happen next year or it may not ever happen, but Vettel would be him and Hamilton would be like. Yeah. Dead. So 
I agree with that pick wholeheartedly. I did. I thought about putting it on my list, but tried to think a little more outside of my own initial thinking. And I love that because there's a video on YouTube. Okay. And it's Sebastian Vettel in, I think it's formula BMW or what was formula Atlantic. And he starts last. Now this is all like dead equal cars, very low horsepower, low grip. And not only did he, when he spanked everybody and Sebastian Vettel, when he runs race champions, he typically did very, very well. I think it'd be really intriguing to see how he takes to an oval. I do worry that Sebastian might think it's boring because he has said before, like when people are like, oh, hey, what do you think about doing a ride swap with a cup team or whatever? Because there was rumors for a while that perhaps Penske and Sebastian would because Shell is a big sponsor for Ferrari and obviously primary sponsor for the 22. Never really worked out, never culminated, but I could absolutely see Sebastian Vettel running SRX. And I think that'd be a lot of fun because he he's not afraid to rub fenders either. Oh, dude, I would see. I would just like my my inner fanboy. This is more my inner fanboy talking <laughs> when I wrote him down because I would just freak. I, w- I would find a way to go to that would as be many awesome. of the races as possible. Like, that, that's would... what makes SRX so fun. And this list was something that excited me so much this week and really trying to think about it. I, I would love to see Sebastian Vettel. My next pick is, again, going with the greats. And this is one that if you're close to IMSA, you'll immediately understand why. And somebody I know personally. My number three pick is Bill Oberlin. Now, Bill Oberlin, this past season, became the winningest IMSA driver in history. He has more wins in IMSA than anyone else. And not only that, you look at guys like Elio Castroneves, and they have a big personality, really easily likable. That is Bill Oberlin. If you've never heard Bill Oberlin talk or listen to how passionate he is about racing, he's been a BMW factory driver almost exclusively his entire career, which I worry might stop him from being able to run SRX. But quite truthfully, I don't know that it would. For obviously the conspiracy theorist of BMW is going to NASCAR. Oh, wow, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to go down that road. But I could totally not see. happen. <laughs> I, I don't know that it would ever happen. But maybe next-gen car, whatever. That's going to open up a whole other box. But Bill Oberlin deserves a chance at SRX because if it is truly for the greatest and kind of Hall of Fame and all that, Bill Oberlin is as successful as it gets in IMSA, in my opinion. And that's why Bill Oberlin to SRX. That is definitely um... – a very solid and valid pick. Now I'm going to go with someone who's um either loved or hated by their series fan base. And it's there's no middle ground on him. He doesn't quite have the uh, persona of Paul Tracy in terms of mm-hmm. hatred, but uh, he definitely has his moments where people will run to the comments on him. And I think I know where you're going. Yep. Yep. I would love yep. that. And I think he would too. He's said a few times that he wants to go to NASCAR. I don't know if oh, you remember. Dude, before, all the IndyCar drivers of Penske have said that, that they want yeah. to drive. Yeah. And Roger Penske said, okay, you won a championship, but you haven't won me a 500. So why are you worth keeping and putting into a stock car? And then when he went and did both of them, immediately it was no longer like, oh, we forgot about it. We, they are purposely not talking about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't think of a better way for him to try that out. Dude, I think either SRX or make that Penske Xfinity car a just um yeah you can kind of just pour it out <laughs> have, 
yeah, just have either your cup guys or, you know, someone in trucks that you like that you might want to bring up or get your IndyCar guys in there. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see McLaughlin on a road course in, the, in that car. Yeah, that would be really cool. I think Scotty <laughs> McLaughlin is going to be a threat for sure if he ever gets a chance in a stock car at a road course. If but he gets in a stock car, it's going to be scary. It's going to it, be well. Like, I mean, look at so what supercars are. They're very, very close. This is not. I don't think. Oh, I want to go do IndyCar move. I think this is a lateral. Like, okay, V8 supercars and American stock cars are now becoming from here to here. That much closer to what they truly are. But Will Power is not that far off that list. Every time he's ran V8 supercars, he was the same. I could see him doing very, very well on a full-bodied car with fenders. I love your pick. I wholeheartedly think Will Power, also my favorite Indy car driver too, to SRX. The whole Penske Brigade is like my favorites, but McLaughlin is definitely like top of the list for sure. 100%. So oh, yeah. you, you took my number two pick away from me, which is my next pick to say in line and i already thought of somebody that i would want to see more than jimmy johnson in my opinion and that is somebody who has already said they wanted to stay in nascar formula one champion kimmy raikkonen oh i mean he is he is on the verge of retiring from f1 so that is there's talks of that happening so that is interesting um he, he already hinted at it back in the day, too. Well, he he tried his, you know, trial run and all this and that. But I think the last thing, last time something was said about him, when was that? It was, a I think few it was as soon as 2018, if I'm not mistaken. I think 2018, he had opened up more about why did you want to go from F1 to WRC and then, of all things, American stock cars. And his response was simple, that he just wanted to try it because he was just interested and he fell in love with it. He has said publicly a few times, he loved stock car racing. He loved oval racing. He loved it loud. It wasn't visceral. It was, and cars are all out of control. It's not like F1 where it's just planted and the money in the team is who picks the winner. Quite frankly, I think also given the fact that he said when he retired from F1, he would like to give serious consideration into coming to the States to race stock cars I think Kimi Raikkonen is a no-brainer. <laughs> He's got dirt experience. He's got oval experience, like you mentioned in running the truck series. Kimi Raikkonen to SRX would be like almost, almost my favorite possible idea. Dude, I just, I just love the idea of how how his persona is to where like someone rubs him wrong and he's just like, okay, I'll go past them now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. But um. All right, so my fourth pick then is going to be, it's a little bit out of the box. It's, it's open wheel, but it's not the open wheel that you think. And he is a three-time defending World of Outlaws champion. If you can't oh, tell, yes. I'm going a little bit based off of my favorite favorite drivers here. And who does who does who who do you think he drives for out of, you know? Hmm. Hmm. I could is take it, a wild guess. His initials KK? Yep. I can yeah, see that. Yeah. So Mr. Brad Sweet. <laughs> yeah. That would, dude. Oh, obviously he's had some NASCAR experience before. So he knows some a bit about um, the oval racing and all that. And I just feel like if you throw him into the mix, especially on the dirt tracks. Absolutely. Ooh. And you, you kind of nailed the mindset that I was going with. And my next pick, I think is going to foray into having an in 
right? You have to have an in. You got to know somebody to know somebody. They, Brad Sweet and Tony Stewart have known each other for a very, very long time. And not only has he absolutely dominated at Eldora in World of Outlaws, but Brad Sweet is one of those guys that even though he's a three-time defending, he's going to have more. He's going to be right up there with Sprint Car Hall of Fame guys if he don't think he qualifies already. I could absolutely see Brad Sweet being a, an easy fit into SRX and adding to what you and I kind of had for a mindset on this. Expand the field to truly expand the amount of champions you're letting run every weekend. I love, love the thought, especially considering how well he knows Tony Stewart, Brad Sweet to SRX. I think you mentioned expanding the field. If they do, 16 at most. Oh, at most. I don't think you could have that race run at some of those tracks like Slinger. I don't think you really could get more than 12 cars at that speed, at least. Those are the yeah. SRX cars are really, really quick, surprisingly. They, they were no joke. They were no joke. That's for damn sure. But what do we got? I say, do you still have one more? I do have one more. You have one more. I'll let you do. Okay. Because I'm thinking it might be on your list. And I hope it's not. And this one to me is my number one for the simple fact that I think they may break the curse, which is that nobody can beat seven championships in a major motorsport series. You need oh to get Lewis Hamilton and SRX. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton is my number one pick. Now, I am not a huge fan of Lewis off track. I think it's, you know, I have my opinions just a little bit over dramatic and, you know, a little bit out there. Um, but as a race car driver, I don't think you can doubt that he is possibly the greatest race car driver on the planet right now. And he knows Tony Stewart. He traded cars in the Watkins Glen. If you remember and watched it, it, one of the reasons I love Lewis Hamilton was they told him to come in. And he said, I'm, as soon as he passed full bore, like to the firewall, <laughs> start finishing my Watkins Glen. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. And gave himself another two or three flying laps. And he said that he loved absolutely loved running stock cars well you also factored that in there was also a little bit of damp out there too that day so he was he was getting a little sideways and such he, he, he was having a blast and i think that it's again it's a no-brainer they said they wanted the greatest from each of their sports to really represent the entire world of motorsports lewis hamilton is just simply to me a no-brainer and when asked if lewis would want to run the indy 500 he said no he thought the Daytona 500 would be more challenging and more fun to win. So, you know, with all these nods and stuff to how much he loves NASCAR, he lives here in the States. Like he does live in Colorado. I think Lewis Hamilton to SRX would be my number one pick for who I would want to see the most. Lewis is a good pick. I'm going to go with someone that's trying to close in on their seventh title. And yes, we're going with another open wheel car driver. He's not looking maybe the greatest this year, but he's always a threat no matter what. You got to go and get Mr. Six-Time in IndyCar, Scott Dixon. I was hoping you'd say that because that yeah. was when I almost put on my list, and I love that pick. I really do. I mean, you talk about versatile drivers. Yeah. I feel like you have you have Helio in there already. You have Tony Kanan in there already. You already have Paul Tracy. Go get the guy with the most titles. Yeah, the Iceman. And he's already won 24 hours of Daytona. He's raced at Le Mans. I think he actually did win 24 hours of Le Mans, if I'm not mistaken, when he's in the Ford GT program. But nonetheless, like the versatility that he has 
you know, I could wholeheartedly see the Iceman in SRX and having success. And I would enjoy to see that. I think he brings a whole nother. I mean, all these guys that we've mentioned bring different levels of driving styles, different levels of former racing, just everything about them screams versatility. Yep, absolutely. And that was what they said they wanted. I mean, I hope to see some road courses in there next season. You know, they could go to Lime Rock and sell that place out. And Lime Rock is not too long for those cars to be able to, to handle it. You know, you, or you could go to the Charlotte Roval, but I don't know if that would be too much of a clash with NASCAR. And I know Tony's that'd be too much of a clash. With NASCAR, sure. <laughs> SRX was, all, if you don't know, it, you can agree with me or not, but the, the writing's kind of on the wall. SRX was supposed to be a big middle finger to NASCAR for what they did with Eldora. Love it, hate it. That's the fact of the matter. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And if you look at that trend, Lime Rock would be a fantastic venue for road course racing, but I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility. It could handle all the cars. The pit lane is, you know, good enough that it would work. And it, you talk about adding someone like Scott Dixon, who has that versatility on a road course, Scotty McLaughlin, all the other guys that we mentioned beforehand. I hope to see that same theme of versatility, like you just mentioned, continuing. And to go back to your pick, Scott Dixon, 100% has that level of versatility. It would be really, really entertaining and fascinating to see how he'd wield one of those cars. I think like just all of them in general that we've mentioned would be great to see because you know the F1 drivers that we've mentioned and the IndyCar drivers that we've mentioned, those cars are planted for the most part because yeah. you see the IndyCars get a little sideways sometimes out of the corner. Yeah, and I like but, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> those two are so planted to the ground that you know those guys would be trying to kick it out of those sideways just because. And it's not just be like they – they want to, they enjoy that. Drivers, I, I can speak for myself. I love when cars get sideways. I mean, you and I are both from northern parts of America. You know, wintertime, there's nobody around and we just started getting a little bit slick. Like that is fun. And that is what not only SRX, but just stock cars in America in general are, you know, and I feel like a lot of drivers in F1 and IndyCar don't get the chance to enjoy that quite as often. And to go back to my number two pick, Kimi Räikkönen is a great example. They had he's like, why would you go from F1 to WRC? I like being sideways. <laughs> I like competing just against the time and how challenging and you know, loose the cars were. I think if anything, maybe that's maybe even more incentive for those guys to not wait for the invite, but to be like, Hey, uh, can I drive just once? <laughs> Dude, I just, I just love the idea of basically they're trying to recreate Iraq, but with retired drivers. And I feel yeah. like that is, that is great. They'll, they'll have, you know, a younger guy come in for a race here or there. Ernie Francis needs to be in Xfinity or truck series after this. season. I honestly think Iraq. Ernie Francis needs to be in Indy lights. If we're being truthful, I see Ernie Francis being one of possibly the next great IndyCar drivers. And I know that's a bold prediction, but he was in mid Ohio for, I believe, Formula three or formula four. I think it was us formula four and he won his first yeah. ever race. He started last too. Yep, Cause he, he misqualified. Qualified. Yeah. But I mean, he's 23 years old. He has seven trans am champions or championships. And I love seeing that they're giving trans am some promotion because trans am oh, yeah. is freaking awesome. <laughs> I just, I just love that about him. He's 23 
and a seven time <laughs> champ. It's like, all right, what the hell did I do wrong in my life? Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> he only got, he only got like and, a year on me. Exactly. And he's not one of these guys that brought all of, you know, dad's money. He, he doesn't have a ton of money for his backing. His father had enough, you know, to start getting a couple of cars, but it was just as much for him as it was for his son, you know? And if you got the money, like I never fault somebody for that, but when you buy your way into a ride without really earning your merit, that's a problem. And I really like the fact that he, he is truly a success story of climbing the ladder. hundred percent. I love Ernie Francis Jr. There are many people that are pay drivers, but we're not going to get into that. Cause that's like, no. that for hours. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Can we pause for one quick second? Yeah, for sure. Give me one minute. I am back. That's good. <laughs> so did you see Joe popped out or Joe's girl popped out his second one yesterday? I did see that. Yeah. Good for him, man. I'm excited to see that. You just <laughs> looked so happy in that picture. I don't know how the hell he does it. <laughs> he just Snapchatted me. He put the caption as, this is the reason I have zero points in IROC. I named my daughter Miss <laughs> because I missed so many damn races because of you. <laughs> oh shit. But really, that that's awesome for him. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. He looks happy. He's got the kids' goals in a lot of ways, man. He's already daddy owned. He's younger than me. He's two-time yeah. dad. <laughs> he's less than a year older than me so <laughs> i'm happy i don't have any, any yet. <laughs> not gonna lie yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. imagine how different life would be right now I, we, I have had many a conversation like that especially in this past week this past week was the adventure of a lifetime See, and we could talk about that honestly i mean we don't have to talk about yeah. racing all, all race or all, all episodes I, if you want to I wholeheartedly think that the experience that I had in the last 10 days, both about racing and away from racing, we touched on it in last week's podcast. I know these are going to be delayed a little bit because of, unfortunately, that tornado that went through Michigan. But for those of you listening, this past 10 days was awesome. We touched on it last episode that we had talked. I was lucky enough to experience something that I hope happens again, honestly, but I, I don't know that it ever will because it hasn't before, that IMSA 
the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship and the Cup Series were both in New England on the same weekend. So Saturday, I, mean, I did what anybody with a brain would do. I went to both. <laughs> I was at Lime Rock and I was at the Cup Series in Loudoun. And both of those were spectacular races. You know, the WeatherTech field was a little bit disappointing. GTDs and GTLMs, but if you're in that area to go to Lime Rock Park or you're in that part of the country, you at one point in your life have to go. You know, I, I know I sent you a lot of videos while we were there, but just the fan accessibility itself is absolutely phenomenal. That track is so much fun and is so much more dramatic as far as elevation changes in person than it looks on TV. That race was really cool. And it was the first time I got to bring my fiance to a actual sports car race, just a road course in general. And, you know, the pre-race stuff, we just both got to walk freely down the pit lane. She's looking at race cars she's only ever seen on TV and seeing how beat to shit they actually are in real life. <laughs> little pieces of tape covering up little cracks and whatnot in the bodywork and how close they truly are to their street park counterparts. Just all of it. If you've never been to Lime Rock Park, you're able to go and you're not able to go figure out how you need to go because that is some place to go. The Cup Series race was very, very interesting. So I was sitting... Yeah, especially the uh, last half of the race, huh? Yeah. Did you see where I was sitting in the videos I sent you? Like I was right up there. I was literally against the railing at the bottom of the steps of the grandstands in the entrance of turn one. That was where we bought seats. But with the rain and whatnot, especially, you could kind of sit wherever you wanted. I don't think we actually sat for like a good three quarters of the race. When it started raining, I looked at my fiance and I was like, there's no way this is going to go well. And trying to explain that you don't always recognize that the track's very big. You know, even though it's only a mile, the, that 1,500-foot front and rear straightaway and then the width of the racetrack and all, whatever, when you're there, it, it's a farther away part. I, I looked at Melissa and I was like, it's raining harder <laughs> in one and two than it is in three and four. I don't think they're going to keep going like this. Sure enough, the 18, just full scream into turn one, and all you hear is just full-on wheel hop and the bam, like 15 feet in front of me. And then they all went off. It was, uh, Dude, I don't. The JGR car is just like went in sync almost. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's because it's one of the things that I really enjoyed about getting the chance to see that was there was the threat of rain at Lime Rock. That's nothing new. Sports cars in the rain. You know, you see what the, the water does with the racing line and whatnot. It was a whole different ball game with that PJ one. We talk about it. It feels like every episode that we've had. They did not run the PJ one. They didn't reapply it. It's still very they didn't much. Reapply it, yeah. They did not reapply it, which I was a fan of because when they did go to racing, I think it made the race fairly competitive. You know, back to closer to what that in the package they ran, which again was really cool because the cars, if you haven't been to an, uh, enough races, the cars with the tapered spacer and without, they sound different. They, they sound louder. Yeah, because they open everything up. So Yeah, because they're open up. So you know, even something as little as that, you know, somebody who, again, it's to me, part of the reason I love going to motorsports so much is sharing it with somebody that obviously I love. And, you know, this is what my world kind of looks like thing. And for her to see those cars again this year, but without that huge, hideous window that they call a spoiler and actually opening the cars up and seeing them sliding around and like, that was, it was a great race, but the biggest highlight of all of it to me. Now, this is a guy that we've touched on. I have basically lived at New Hampshire Motor Speedway the majority of my life. I have never seen them run that late into the night, not once. 
And I have videos that I'll be posting of what it really looked like in person. It was truly dark. Like it was truly nighttime. What I saw on TV of the NBC broadcast made me absolutely cringe because the shot was, it was so irised up, Chris. It looked like it was just the oh, yeah. afternoon. Yeah, I saw your video. It just looked dark. And then yeah. I, also <laughs> had the, I had the um, race going in like the corner of my phone. And mm-hmm. I was like, um, these, these are not the same. <laughs> oh, man, it did it no justice. Like, you know, we, so in the infield, right, they have um, these like string lights that go from the, the power poles. And it makes the aesthetic of the racetrack at night actually really, really pretty. Like, it's really pretty when they have all the stuff lit up, all the Snoko signs and whatever. But you never really get a chance to appreciate that sort of an aesthetic versus what you typically see at Loudon. I hope and pray one day they put lights around that track because when it started to get dark, the racing got better. Eric Almarola, now my little brother Josh and I disagreed on this a little bit, but I think truly earned that win. I do think the 10 car was going to win that day no matter what because when it got dark, that car came to life. He earned it in the second half of the race. Yep. What he didn't earn was a playoff spot. Mm. I mean, in in morals, maybe not, <laughs> but he in did. Any rational thought process, he did not. <laughs> I mean, There's- and I, I kind of get the bittersweet reality of winning a race under those circumstances. You know, like it, it's part of the game. It's part of the game. If it starts raining in a baseball game and it's, you know, bottom of the seventh, then the majority of it was in the books. It was taken care of. It was done. Even though they shortened it, they still ran the two stages. There was, I mean, there was really only like 20 laps to go or 18 laps to go. Yeah. So they only cut it eight laps short. I was going to say it really was a negligible amount, which to me, a place like Loudon would reward being consistent, taking care of your brake temperatures, especially taking care of tires. How much can you save towards the end? Like it's a truly driver's racetrack. So that's why it's not always the most fun to watch on TV, but a hell of a lot of fun to be there and see the strategies went oh. playing out. Yeah. I think the 10 car earned that win. And it was just, you know, to me, I had for the first time ever seen something that I had never seen before. You know, it was really cool seeing him run at night. Like it was almost nighttime. Like it was almost yeah. pitch black. It was awesome. Now, from your point of view, do you think they could have ran those eight laps? Because yes. realistically is only four minutes. Yes. And I understand completely the reason why not. And I explained this to a handful of people trying to explain how this works. So we kind of touched on it last time. New Hampshire Motor Speedway not having lights is an issue of the towns. Okay. The rules are. There is to be no racing after sunset. That's the rule. That's like the black and white verbatim rule. I don't know if you can research me on that online, but I know that that is the rule for, I believe it's Laconia, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. It's one of the towns basically making a stipulation. You cannot race past sunset. So what does that mean? If you're racing in August, you can race later than you could in October. It's literally that simple. You have a longer window. Once the sun goes down, Kind of a primitive sort of rule, but sunset was listed at 8.20 p.m. on last Sunday for the track. That's what it said on paper. That's what it said on weather apps, whatever. That was the cutoff time. Do I think they could have ran that? Yes. Do I think it was worth it? No, because it was against the rules anyway, so it wasn't even a, a fathomable you know, way to finish the race. I get it. 
I didn't like it, but yes, they could have ran. What I think was more frustrating was the rain that canceled the race at Lime Rock for the WeatherTech Championship was bogus. They could have kept running. I saw no lightning at all, at all around the racetrack. They could have kept racing that race. I have to change the what I had underneath my laptop. It was starting to get a little warm. I had to throw a pillow down there. <laughs> um, <laughs> getting, getting all warmed up over here. <laughs> getting hot and bothered. <laughs> don't spit out your drink. Don't be a spitter. <laughs> I would never. I don't ever quit, even when I should. <laughs> And we're talking about Josh being the sus one. <laughs> hey, man, you know how it goes. We just have different requirements than our counterparts, and I'll leave it at that. For us, it's the beer. You don't spill the beer or else you're a quitter, and you get cut off. Then you can go home and be sad and sober. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. But, uh, say, what, all, what all did you do the rest of the week? Let's do a little, let's do a little storytelling. What all did you do the rest of the past? What, 10 I days? checked something off of my bucket list and had the adventure of a lifetime. So here's a little backstory. My fiance and I have been together for a few years now. And this was our second of her birthdays together. Now, I recently had a raise at my job and a promotion, uh, which for the first time in my life, I kind of had a little bit of, FU money. And then, you know, kind of thinking you don't get a better time of the year here in New England than July. You really only get to live once. And we both love camping. We both love being outdoors. We love being out on the water. We love being out in the woods, up in the mountains. Like being outside is our happy places. So I was like, well, we'll rent an RV. And I'm not going to plan a single thing on this trip. I'm just going to have the RV and we can go wherever she wanted to go. That was the gift. You can do anything you want. You, you tell me where you want to go and I will drive us there and we don't have to worry about a place to stay. We don't have to worry about being safe from like bears and wildlife and stuff like that. If we go out into the national forest, we can camp for free. I quoted this maybe like early June, first, second week in June. And the rate that I had then was doable. It was like maybe 90 something a night for the RV that I had in mind. When I went to book it a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, the price had tripled per night to the point where it was thousands of dollars to rent this thing for the week. And I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> I had, didn't really have a plan B. So I thought for a little bit and I realized, <laughs> you know, that we recently had moved in the apartment that we're in now. So did a lot of business with U-Haul lately. And I had a thought that, you know, the new transit van that U-Haul uses, it's got decent room in it. You know, I, I'm a little bit like, you know, I, I really enjoy watching the live in the van life stuff. And, you know, like the guys that not are, they're not doing it for, you know, being all trendy on YouTube, like truly like just being creative. And how do you get something like a van to work and then have that freedom to go wherever you want? So I was like, well, do it or don't do it. <laughs> there is like no in between. So I said, you know something, screw it. She is an incredibly smart woman. You know, she's very, very intuitive and learns really quickly so i rented the van for a week it was 750 miles on it and we successfully and had a fantastic time camping in a u-haul van for a week so it was fun for me in an engineering aspect so i had to figure out how to take down that big steel plate that goes between the cab and then the cargo area in the back of the van that was step one 
Then step two was just simply getting ourselves comfortable with it. And we spent, we wound up right next to the track the first night in Loudoun. Um, the second night we went to the White Mountain National Forest. We were in Lincoln, New Hampshire. The night after that, we spent in Bingo Brook in Green Mountain National Forest in Northern Vermont. And I mean, truly like off the grid. We were in the middle of nowhere that night. Then went to Lake Dunmore in Vermont. These were all places we'd never been before. Like we had never been to that like remote, like just go wherever you want to go. And yet the freedom that was with, we wake up one morning, we get our coffee, look at Google Maps. Where do you want to go today? You know, like just, just that level of freedom. It was a truly once in a lifetime experience. Found a lot of places that we really fell in love with together and you know, living in a U-Haul van for a week. And then when we returned, I haven't had any extra charges or <laughs> anything like that. It was the perfect crime. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Dude, that is awesome. That is like something, obviously... I would try to, you know, go glamping and have a, have a, have a RV. So, it kind of was but, though. Like there, there really wasn't much we were missing. Yeah. Besides yeah. bathroom, maybe. <laughs> Even then though, you know, like. Stop somewhere. I guess, I guess. Yeah. And dude wipes are a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> you dude know, wipes. Like, Hit us up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cold pasta really coming in clutch knowing what they were. <laughs> But really, I mean, you know, yeah, there's some, some luxuries that you could have, but we didn't really feel like we needed them. It was comfortable to sleep in. It was comfortable to hang out in. You know, the drive was really comfortable. You can just stop wherever you needed and you get your firewood and things like that along the way. And, you know, we, we truly didn't have much complaints other than that if we were to buy a van, which is a possibility, actually. Um, we've both been entertaining that idea of like, well, in a couple of months, let's see where we're at and see if we could you know, just live the van life a little bit, go winter camping if we need to. Cause you're in Michigan, I'm in new England. We know the winters get so brutal. The people that camp in tents in the wintertime, I need like an ounce of whatever you are on. <laughs> to figure they, out why you enjoy they, yeah, something else. I swear, yeah. bro. I couldn't dude. I think like the coldest I could go, if there's no snow, the mm-hmm. coldest I could go, if there's no snow, probably like 25 degrees. That's probably like, <laughs> See, and I'm, it's, it's funny because I hate winter. I shouldn't say oh, hate winter. I definitely like summer. Listeners, um, 25 Fahrenheit. Yes. I'm not going to do the math for Celsius right now. 25 <laughs> degrees Fs. <laughs> and I agree. Like I, I could deal with basically like at zero. Once you get down to zero, like, you know, living in New England, I know Michigan gets pretty brutal and New England is kind of known for having like really extreme weather. Well, you could have like 60 degrees one day in February and then negative 10 the next. And it's just like this frozen hell wasteland. I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was say, it's yeah. not that, that much different, but yeah, it's not. <laughs> needless to say, anybody who's listening that's not familiar with how extreme that weather gets, basically you need to have, if you wanted to be out in the middle of nowhere, almost like a, a tiny cabin on wheels. You know, the other thing with the RV idea too is if, what I was going to say is we only thing we really wanted was a little more headroom. It'd be nice if you could stand up completely in there because it got tough after a while of just, you know, you kind of crouched over all of the time and you're not really sure of like. <laughs> if you're crouched over all the time, think about if yeah. I were to do that. Right. Two small people in a small van is much worse than having somebody tall and. <laughs> person that's six two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was awesome, man. I mean, it was truly a once in a lifetime thing and it was relaxing. 
you know, it, it having, like I said, that freedom to just go wherever. And you know, the whole point of the trip was, you know, as some of the listeners might've picked up on, it's my fiance. So wedding planning is very much going on. Finding a place that, what does it mean to us? Like these two people. And the fun thing that I'm kind of entertaining in my head is Branbury State Park in, I believe it's Brandon, uh, Vermont on Lake Dunmore State Park. It's like $30 a night to camp. So like we loved the lake. What if we just bought out the entire state park and everybody gets to see the wedding ceremony and then we all camp for the night and we have the whole place to ourselves. No one's going to drive. No one's going anywhere. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But it, it was truly, it was an, a, an incredible trip. It really was. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> just trying to find pictures of it. Oh, dude, that is sweet. Oh, we found that out of nowhere. Literally out of nowhere. We were up at um, Franconia Notch in New Hampshire. Um, for those of you listening, you recognize New Hampshire for the Man of the Mountain, like the Man of the Mountain monument that was there. It wasn't really a monument, but it was a naturally occurring, looked like a face. They called him the old Man of the Mountain. Franconia Notch is where that was. It, it fell apart a few years ago. Again, just natural rock erosion type stuff. But we were up there and like, we're just in service. And we were like, where do we want to go? Like, what would be our next stop? In Northern Vermont just seemed kind of like a, a no-brainer because fun fact also for anyone listening is that you can camp for free in any national park, any national forest or national park, you can camp for free. At. So that was our thought. We're like, well, we just got to go to national forest and we don't have to pay for anything else. <laughs> don't have to worry about anything else. Not uh-uh. a single damn thing. Well, I mean, you got to worry about some stuff, but you know. <laughs> yeah. I learned that having fuel in it is kind of a, an important one. Um, that's that's one not to forget please don't tell me you ran out of fuel i got so damn close that i am i felt my race driver instincts kicking in (laughs) like how to drive it 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 stemmed from trying to get on the money the amount of fuel that they gave it to me with by the time i was done and i think i was only like 15 miles on the the data telemetry calculated range of what the van said but I got, I got pretty close. It might have had a sputter or two, but it's no big deal. It's fine. Everybody's got COVID nowadays. The van had COVID. It was okay. He got over it. <laughs> well, that's like how, uh, you know, I, everyone in my group on the place that I went. So I was going to say, I wanted to ask you about that. You got to do something that I have had happen like on accident, you know, like kind of these parties in the infield and stuff and camping at Loudon and Lime Rock and Watkins Glen. You got to go to Faster Horses. I was on purpose. Yours was on purpose. And you were, tell, tell everybody where you were, because that was, that's oh, awesome. I was at good old MIS and got to see the track be dormant and, well, um, on the track quiet. <laughs> Anywhere <laughs> around it was anything but. But, uh, no, it was an absolute blast. Um, Thursday, we got there. We set up everything everyone took naps because we all didn't sleep for shit the night before actually <laughs> me I didn't, even go to bed I didn't even go to bed at all because I had schoolwork I had to do before I left because I wasn't bringing my laptop with me because who's gonna, bring, who's gonna bring a $1,400 laptop with them um <laughs> nerds yeah, nerds uh-huh. <laughs> but Thursday we set up everything we all you know do what we gotta do and then as soon as we wake up from all of our naps game on like 
fold. We all woke and, up Friday and we're like, we need greasy food. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they have DoorDash out here? Yeah, but Friday, we went to the concert probably like 4.30. We ended up getting to the front right when Luke Combs was coming on stage. And I just mean like, he's coming on stage. I'm able to get right up on the rail at that point. Like, so awesome. He's right there, right in it. You are out there. Oh my God. It was an absolute blast. I was completely soaked because it was raining all day Friday. (laughs) And right at the rail is where like the top, like it wasn't a canopy. I forget the actual term, but like the complete top of the stage, right? Well, it was dripping right down to where if you're on the rail, you're just getting hit by like pellets of water. So you like that doesn't sound like the worst on. thing either. If everybody's all like hot and sweaty and dancing and just going well, to town, like everyone was soaked, so it wasn't really hot because the rain cooled everything off that night. But then we wake up the next morning and we're all just like, it's hotter than all sweaty ball sack hot, basically. <laughs> For lack of better term. We, we were all in the swamp, and if you know, Dude, you know, it was. But even then, we all battled through that. We all have fun Saturday, you know, enjoying everything going on. And not to interrupt you, but to clarify everybody listening, this is camping in the infield at Michigan International Speedway for a music festival, staying overnight, and you wake up in the morning to a quiet, almost hallowed ground to a race fan. That's that's so awesome. <laughs> partially quiet, partially quiet. And yeah, we weren't yeah. in the infield. We were actually across the street from the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So... But I did end up in the infield on Sunday night after the concerts got done Sunday. Uh, <laughs> that was a very no. That was Saturday. That was Saturday night. That was Saturday night. I ended up in the infield, and oh my god, when you get down in there, people say like you you'll hear like spotters and drivers and stuff say like Michigan goes hard because like there are there are them that say that because I don't know how they get into the infield but they do without you know NASCAR being like don't do that <laughs> dude saturday night there it was another level of crazy there were um all right pg rating there were many things that i saw uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you get older kids we'll tell you what it's like at music festivals <laughs> especially when it's 40,000 people drunk off their ass Um, because I swear to God everyone was down in the infield like it was just go and just don't stop I think I got into the infield around 1130 and I was there until 315 that's awesome mind you I think we woke up at 10 and started drinking that day. <laughs> um, what else are you supposed to do? It's almost like a competition at that point. Yeah. I mean, shit, we put down a couple of 30 racks and Bush Light should really be sponsoring me at this point. <laughs> um, it was Bush Light League IRL. Bush Light League IRL. Let's see who, how many people can drink. Um, <laughs> not how many laps you can burn, but how many you can drink. <laughs> Um, no, it was an absolute, I got to see a lot of artists that I was really happy to see. Uh, Hardy was there, obviously Luke Combs, Thomas Rhett, 
uh sunday i didn't go to any any of the stuff because by sunday i was just i was done i was like you your know liver what? is basically just tapping all of you out it wasn't <laughs> even my liver it was just my whole body was like dude just like rest hey, like, all we, right we would like to consume something that's not fast food with trans fat and alcohol <laughs> please yeah. please yeah. I, I feel that's how i felt monday morning when we got the u-haul because lime rock was like close to 100 degrees that day like the drivers man i oh that was the walking. same weekend that was the yeah. same weekend yeah yeah we, you were at faster horses while i was at the, the double header if you want to call it that sunday we walked the entire racetrack at least like maybe two times and i mean like the whole perimeter of the racetrack along the infield and then crossing the bridge and where you can go outfield if you will a little bit and it was so hot and i was just had not a single ounce of common sense to put water in my drawstring bag. It was only beers. And so by the time <laughs> Sunday came around, it's NASCAR. I mean, I don't know what else you do at a NASCAR race except for drink. It's a drink. Yeah. By the time Monday morning came around, I was like, my brain has probably shrunk at least like 20%. <laughs> if not more. <laughs> I it's funny because like I came back to work Wednesday and I was like, all right, I'm not feeling too bad. You know, it's the afternoon. And then I work Friday morning and I'm like, oh, I don't think my body's ready yet. <laughs> I wake up, I'm just like, oh, shit, dude. <laughs> what has happened to me? Yeah, and then, you know, I go into, you know, to summarize the week, I go into work Saturday and everything's fine and dandy and the weather starts to turn and I get a call from my dad at eight o'clock and he's just like um you good i'm like uh yeah I'm like what's up he's still like, alive <laughs> he's like uh tornado just came through i'm like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> you told me that man like so i was in and out of service the entire trip because you get to that mm -hmm. north part in the mountains country like service is just a thing weekend, didn't you? or this past weekend right i i found out i think when we talked thursday i want to say that i I finally had enough service to get your text messages and you did show me you got hit by a tornado. That was Saturday. I'm, that was Saturday. It was Saturday. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was almost like three or four days later that I had found out that that was what you guys went through. First and foremost, I'm incredibly thankful that you guys are okay. Your family's all right. Your house is safe and you know, the cars are all safe and you know, it's all just annoyances like today to having to do the podcast someplace else, not having power, but that's wild, man. Like, was there a lot of destruction throughout the other parts of the town or was it? Um, so the whole west side of the town, it's only a mile by mile town. So the whole entire west side of the town, trees were down everywhere. A um, couple people had trees hit their roofs or take out their sheds and stuff, which mm -hmm. obviously is very sad and unfortunate. But luckily, for the most part, cars were okay. Um, the actual living part of houses were okay. Um, the wow. east part of town, yeah, they're they're working on the house that I'm at right now. So you know, instead <laughs> of having no power, we're dealing with background noise of that. I think the uh, viewers, if anyone is listening, will agree that that's a small price to pay to know that you guys are all okay. And you know, yeah. some people got out a little bit less fortunate, but you were one of the fortunate ones. I um, I saw a lot of pictures and videos the past couple of days. The northeast part of town got hit pretty good. Um. There's actually one building that was probably about a block and a half from my house. It used to be about a two, two and a half story building. It's now one. 
Um, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I almost wonder if, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, um, there's some, some people did actually have trees fall onto their houses, but the, the living part still was okay. It was definitely a lot of roofs torn up and stuff, but, um, somehow by the grace of God, we just had the roof redone at my house, not a single shingle out of place. I'm just like, but trees were just down. (laughs) Trees were down everywhere. I mean, I, I think I sent you, I did send you the video that I took as soon as I got home. Yeah, you did. We were driving through upstate New York back into Vermont when I watched the video and I was like, holy crap. Like, yeah. I looked at Melissa, I was like you got to see this. This is insane. Like, that's wild, man. I, I really, truly mean how thankful I am that you guys are all good. That's insane. My buddy, Corey, his whole yard got absolutely ripped up and he's a mile. Yeah, Dr. Sutton has no yard right now. <laughs> yeah, he's a mile out of town. His whole yard got ripped up. Like somehow his barn is still there. You know, all of his backyard stuff that, you know, the entertainment area for everyone. Somehow that didn't get hit, but he I'm he almost of videos and it's just like, holy shit, dude. I'm almost wondering if the same storm that hit you guys, we experienced. So I looked at Maybe the weather patterns from those days. So if it hit you Saturday, yep. it would have come through us like Tuesday-ish. And so when we were in that's today, <laughs> oh, so it was, it, it was, was this past, past Saturday. Yeah. So a, not like two days ago, last Saturday, yeah, like two days ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was sooner than that. It goes to show how much I've not paid attention to time at <laughs> time. all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that takes back what I was going to say, because there was a like absolute wild thunderstorm oh, that yeah, we were no. in the van for that, that happened uh that happened last weekend when we were at faster we just got pummeled by rain all day friday damn yeah yeah i, I guess i i misunderstood i thought it was it would have been the saturday while you guys were at faster and we were at the double header yeah no no i was bad. at work i was at work this past saturday when that happened and the scary thing so after it all gets done in armada um well, I'm at work and I'm looking across the street and they have the flagpole and the flag's like whipping super hard. I take care of like one customer that takes like two seconds. I look over and the flag that's like this is, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh shit. What is happening right now? I'm like, Luckily nothing <laughs> happened, but it's just the fact that, oh, fuck dude. Um, but yeah, so the past couple of days have been clean up and stuff. And obviously today is a, is a break of that as mm-hmm. I got to work later today, but it was just, a... it's absolutely wild, man. I mean, slept in my car. Saturday it is kind night. of funny. I that... get home Saturday. So I slept in my car Saturday night. So Damn. that was wild. Yeah. That is wild, man. I'm, I know myself. I'm sure everybody listening is glad you guys are all right. You're thinking of Armada, Michigan. And that that's just insane to me that you guys got hit by a freaking tornado. All yeah. things like of all yeah. things, Michigan gets hit by a tornado. Okay. What? <laughs> now what? <laughs> yeah. You're like, all right, Mother Nature. Um, I think we've hit the head on everything at this point. Yeah, we're, um, we're tired of you wilding out right now. Please, yeah. thank you. <laughs> I'm just a little bit, please. But uh, the crazy thing is, and I've only heard it from one other person, we have our huge, and I mean, when I say huge, I mean like Donald Trump impersonation, huge. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> are absolutely huge fair in uh, three weeks. <laughs> so we're about to have like the amount of people that were at faster. We're about to have that like a daily basis at our fair. So basically everybody's hustling in town, trying to get things back up and running and yeah. normalized, but, you know, good old DTs taking their time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's always nice. Yeah. You know, they're just like, Oh, you guys got trees on top of wires. We're going to take an extra day or two to worry about that. I'm like, oh. it's, it's natural vibes, man. We needed to, to drape the trees a little bit and get them closer to nature the lines. So we'll get there. Time. We'll get there when we get there. It's like, all right, you guys too, then I'll just go fuck myself. Um, Put the lights off. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I look forward to recording these every week. This is always a lot of fun. This is, this is, this is, but I do think our list of SRX drivers Oh, yeah. should be taken seriously. I hope oh, yeah. that somebody is listening and I'm sure we're not the only ones, but I think we both agree. We want to see a road course. We want to see at least two, maybe four more cars added to the field. You know, bump the schedule up six races. I understand it fits, but eight would be even better. Add two road courses. in, so you have, let's see, that'd be four. Yeah. Four short ovals paved two, two dirt. dirt tracks and mm-hmm. then two road courses. That would yeah. be ideal. That was really going to suit everybody's strong suits and driving and disciplines. You say Lime Rock. What's the other road course you go to? It's a great question. Got to think small. That's I was just going to say, I'm trying to think of smaller track. I mean, as far as like the short tracks of road courses go, Lime Rock is a clear. Go for yeah. it. If it aligned. Now, I have two suggestions, one of which is a little bit more of like a fan what I would like to see in my heart. And one is going to be, I think more likely of a, a proper suitor. I think Nashville street circuit, that would be a lot of fun. Now the street circuit at Nashville is a little bit longer. It's a little bit technical street circuits are notoriously easy to shorten up. Look at formula E at Monaco, for example, you know, nobody had ever seen a layout like that. And all they did was they're like, Oh, well, we took this barrier and we turned it. And then we took this other barrier and we turned that one. And now you turn there instead. Like, I think the accessibility, if you need to make that track shorter and just the amount of fans that would make it worth it to see it, Nashville is a big one. Now, this next one is a little bit maybe out there, but they already went to Stafford Motor Speedway. Thompson, which is also in Connecticut, another short oval, but has a really, really well done road course built into it to create a roval that they have car shows and car meets and stuff all the time throughout the year. And you pay like, you know, 50 or 60 bucks, whatever it is. And your car has to have an inspection sticker and pass their tech. You can go run hot laps, like a step, a little bit more intensive track days. Cause nobody's telling you, you can and cannot pass at certain straightaways and things like that. And anyone who's on track days knows that like, there's a lot of rules involved because everybody has to drive that car home at the end of the track day event. I could see a double header, you know, maybe they run the oval at Thompson, but, I could see a small roval at one of these small ovals fit in because there's not really a ton of road courses that I think could handle, have the infrastructure to handle SRX the way that 
a track like Thompson probably could. I think if I were to name just one more other than Lime Rock, I think you go north of the border. I could see Canada. It all depends on if that's what they'd want to do. I mean, Carolina Motorsports Park is a great one, too. Yeah, well, uh, if they if they went to Carolina, that'd be a big middle finger to NASCAR. Oh yeah, they that's a, a track that NASCAR has been, They've been sleeping on that track for a while. Carolina Motorsports Park is a very very cool racetrack. That is that one would be a huge middle finger to to NASCAR. Good. I think there's only one or two more things I wanted to. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because I have my page up right now. Mm-hmm. Harrison Burton. Uh, this isn't that's an interesting one and we talk about who can pay it really did it and i think it's because like we touched on earlier you want to open pandora's box with paid drivers harrison burton is a name that name carries money same way john hunter nemechek will be up there long before noah gregson I'm not afraid to say that out loud because it's all about your last name and who you're willing to attract for a sponsor. Now the Wood Brothers, have, what's that? John Hunter was already up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think it's over. I, I think that he's going to get another chance. I mean, there's a lot of good young talent. We're seeing a changing of the guard in the Cup Series. What really rubs me the wrong way, and I don't even want to speculate as to where I think he'll go, is losing someone like Matt De Benedetto. Now. I have said to you a few times off the podcast, I love Natty D. He's my favorite driver as far as person in the Cup Series. He's kind of shown a little bit of choke artistry. Talladega, you got to listen to your spotter. I totally agree with the move that he made because somebody who's seeing a lot more than you are as a driver told you what to do. That's spotter's fault, not Natty D's fault. Wood Brothers have never had a competitive car. Brian Blaney, I believe, is still the last person to have won in it, and it was that was almost five years ago now. Yeah. Like a long time ago, the Wood Brothers is not a top level car. I don't care what anybody says. It's not a fourth Penske car. It's it not anything like Penske car, but it's, it's, it's not in the Matt, sense that the Benedetto doesn't have, you know, I don't care if I piss off the, the like legit fans over him. He doesn't have the talent that the three guys at Penske do. No. Wood Brothers slap their number and their name on the car. That's about it at this point. Because whenever you see in-shop stuff, the 21 is in there. They're sharing it. They're sharing it, yeah. yeah. And, and that's why I say a fourth Penske car, because all of the, the pit crew, the engineers, the car chief, they're all actually hired by Wood Brothers. And so that's where it becomes, you're not in the 12, you're not in the 2, you're not in the 22. Like You are a, a satellite team. That's where those small little disconnects happen that I think that make the 21 really not a competitive car. Now, the bigger thing is who is more talented. Harrison Burton or Matt DiBenedetto. I don't think Harrison Burton is going to have more success in that car than Matty D and more people like Matty D. I I think Harrison Burton would be a little bit more successful. We'll find out. I could certainly be wrong. I mean, Roger Penske is not really one to make wrong, wrong decisions like that. (laughs) So no, no, he's not. And I think, um, I think Harrison's going to be in the cup series for, I mean, no matter what, he's going to be in the cup series for a long time. hundred percent. Um, he did something that um, De Benedetto couldn't do, and that was the win in Gibbs equipment. That's fair. Yep. Yeah, because De Benedetto did run some races in Xfinity and Gibbs equipment, and yeah, Harrison. Granted, he wasn't in the hunt for the championship at that point because he was already eliminated. 
what didn't he win two or three races last year after he got eliminated i think so yeah he was kind of a thorn in everyone's side if, yeah i think you're right really because they're in the chase. In, it was really a thorn in grayson's side at the end of the season yeah yep took a couple of wins away yeah yep and but, uh, so my prediction for maddie d goes along those lines of popularity and i know this is a little bit of a bold prediction but i think you see him go to 2311 second car because not only would he and bubba be a great pairing i think the two personalities are there to market and that's really all michael jordan wants to do he wants to market by branching out in motorsports i know he loves motorsports he owned an ama superbike team he is clearly a true fan as much as an investor in the sport but maddie d just came from toyota gibbs equipped and if Harrison Burton was going to stay with Gibbs or Ty Gibbs was going to you know, move up that quickly, which I don't think that's anyone's plan right now, as far as indications go, Ty Gibbs I think you see Maddie D. Yeah. I think you see Maddie D in the second 2311 car. I think it's a front runner. Still Kurt Busch, Matt Benedetto second. I think Kurt stays with track house. That's just my opinion, but Kurt's also the front runner at track house. Ross Chastain right. second. So wherever he goes will determine where Chastain and Benedetto goes. Now, and I would go as far as to say that I think Chastain is more overrated than Benedetto. I like Ross Chastain. He's a really humble, nice guy. But I don't think as far as just raw talent, he compares to Matty D. I think Matt Benedetto has more talent than Chastain. And that's why I think a team like 2311 would say, look, Everybody loves Bubba Wallace because of clearly where we are socially as a country right now. And I 100% agree with it's an inclusivity and a team that people like because of that. Who fits that personality template better than Matty D? Guy that clearly very emotional, wears his heart on his sleeve. I think you put those two together and that makes it the fan favorite, which sells sponsorship slots. I think that's the only thing that hurts him too at the same time because his comments after Wood Brothers and Penske came out with the news about Harrison Burton coming to 21, he acted like he was blindsided by it. And he's known since October last year that he didn't have a ride for next year. Right. And maybe he banked on Brad Kay leaving and opening up the slot to the two, but we, I think everyone knew that he's not that a level of a driver, like no, not a list level not, to be in the two car, but no. neither is Cindric right now. I think Cindric will prove more than he will. And I, I believe that too. Cindric is only in that seat because of his dad, clearly the strategist, Tim Cindric and vice president of Penske Racing. But he earned it. I mean, awesome. Yeah. I He's mean, think about it. Driver. In 2018, it looked like he shouldn't have been on the track. 2019, he looked a little better. Last year, mm-hmm. even though Briscoe had more wins, Cindric had more points, both regular format, playoff format, and together. Yep. And it just showed how much he's been able to take a next step those these years. Obviously, this year, a little different. He's got, I wouldn't say more competition, but the same amount from different drivers. Yeah, I can agree um, with that. I think next year with how the cars are more, um, I don't want to say GTD or GTLM designed, Certainly well, a lot closer though. Like a, a lot, lot closer. closer. We've he has experience racing those kinds of cars. I think he could be a dark horse next year with that. I could see it. 
I can certainly see it. I mean, it, you talked about Scott Dixon, right? You put something like Scott Dixon and Will Power into the next gen car. It's it's a totally different animal. Nothing uses, you know, four speed Jericho styled sequential, solid rear axle, massive weight, really, really small. Like that, nobody does that. Nobody uses that. It opens yeah. up the door. It, I mean, they really don't. Like if you look at other forms of you racing. Wanna, you want to know one guy that'd probably be really good in it? Who? Scott McLaughlin. <laughs> I, I could see Scotty Mc being really, really good. I mean, it, like you looked at, like he has, I believe, still the record at Bathurst. If you take the wing off the V8 supercar and some of the carbon fiber, they're almost the same. They are almost identical. They, they're going to look scary identical next year. Yep, especially where the V8 supercar is going to be Mustang Camaro, just hmm. like two of the three in the Cup Series. And who knows? Because with this layout. The chassis incorporates the ability to add hybrid things. Everybody really kind of knows that's going to end up bringing a fourth, maybe a fifth manufacturer. I don't think there's a question of that. NASCAR wouldn't be able to have Dodge. the longevity. Dodge. Dodge. I could see Dodge. I wholeheartedly, Dodge. there's already, I don't know if I know you're a huge Mopar guy. Did yeah. you hear the rumor that they may end up taking the badging for the Peugeot hypercar? They may put Dodge on it. I didn't, I haven't heard of that. That's yeah, because, one thing that's definitely that I, I've been like trying to pay attention to all this stuff, but at the same time, I'm trying to like not let it, you know, get too much in my head. Oh yeah. You can't be obsessed. I mean, yeah, you can no. be, cause I kind of am. And so are you, but yeah. you have to have a little bit of casualness to it, but yeah. racer magazine posted a, an article about Peugeot's heads of marketing, possibly changing from the Peugeot branded hypercar to Dodge. Now Dodge had a concept car, which again, as I know you as a Mopar fan, you'll like hearing this. The Tomahawk. The Tomahawk was the first, like what the Pagani Waira was that had the active arrow and all this wild stuff. The Tomahawk was really the first one to have all that. And I think the Tomahawk even was designed at first for Gran Turismo, the video game. Yeah. What that's would you, yeah. What would be your like, no rules, do whatever you want. Like you, you build your Red Bull X1 idea and see what happens. And for those of you that don't know, Gran Turismo had the Red Bull X1 2010, which was Adrian Newey and the team at, Gran Turismo saying, if you could build basically an F1 car that had zero rules, what would you do? And had the wild fan on the back did like 350 miles an hour, crazy stuff. But nonetheless, Peugeot is wondering if they can market themselves as well as say Dodge could. I think I'm, Dodge is so like, they, they always try to scream, basically Marco, <laughs> like yeah, for lack of better yeah. words. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're just like heaping engine, loud car, lots of horsepower. And then, you know, they come out with a couple of weeks ago. Oh, well, we're going to make an electric muscle car now. I'm like, okay, I'll wait to see what it looks like. It's the I'll future, man. The numbers on the it. Future. I know, I know, I know. It hurts. It hurts right here. It hurts I right know. here. I've made fun of so many of the manufacturers for doing it that you know, always screamed America and all that, and and I'm like, oh. And that's if you look at the Cup Series and the next gen car is precisely why there's such a dramatic change because the manufacturers are basically saying, we don't have any interest anymore. In spending money on this because we are so disconnected from what we are racing on Sunday to what we're selling on Monday. It doesn't fit that model anymore. And while this car, I, I don't know if there's any videos or not of the Peugeot yet. I think they only have like renderings and whatnot. But what that car is, 
is fast. And if there's one thing that Dodge has tried to always do is maybe not so much the loud and horsepower side of it, but just fast, fast. It, this car, the hypercars are fast. Hypercars are insanely fast. And it's like next level stuff sometimes. Yeah. All over the place. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to say the least. Um, I think there's many factors that are going to determine a lot of things about it, but for the most part, I'm on board to a point. I like to see, I like to see companies expand. I like to see where they can go. Yeah. Um, Dodge has already done it enough. I mean, they haven't done it enough, but you know, they've, every time someone else like tries to come out with something with more horsepower with them and they get they get close and then dodge is like boom 800 horsepower <laughs> and, and chevy and ford full scent like, full scent <laughs> chevy and ford will be like 790 horsepower dodge would be like 840 horsepower and they're just like um hennessy help you us know we out. have to give these to like anybody that has enough money right like we're all gonna die on the street if you keep selling thousand horsepower street car oh well, yeah and then they they take it to hennessy and they're like give us a thousand horsepower and then dodge is like give us a thousand and one horsepower <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna put it in a minivan <laughs> but the bigger thing to me that makes the most <laughs> the thing that makes the most sense to me especially about that that ability to go to Peugeot is the same reason that Cadillac has signed on to do the LMDH program. Like they're signed and locked in. They're going to do it because both Chevrolet and Dodge are the only two of the American big three that have not won Le Mans overall. They have class victories. Corvette's got class victories, obviously. And Viper, I think, has a couple as well because the old Orica. A while ago. Yeah. yeah. But I think even maybe 2016 or 17, when the new SRT Viper came out, they, I think the Orica team, again, it was the red with the white stripes on it. But needless to say, they got class victories. They don't have overall victories. Ford does. Toyota does. Volkswagen with Audi does. Dodge does not. So if you look at how it markets or what it means for a brand, and you talk about coming into the fray when you really know you need to compete and engineer your way to the front, if Peugeot and Dodge are the same parent company, they're the same everything else, it ostensibly makes that car just as much a Dodge as a Peugeot because the same minds that design the Peugeots, they're designing the Dodges. I think it's they a great... do not have any class wins at Le Mans. They have a... They don't. Three times 24-hour Nürburgring, one time Daytona, mm -hmm. two times Spa 24. Oh, no, they have, they have three 24-hour Le Mans class victories, but those were... With 90s, maybe second, second gen Viper, it was 98 to 2000, mm -hmm. so they went three in a row. Yep, that makes they sense because it was the GTS. Mm -hmm. They also won 12 hours of Sebring in 2000. Um, but since then, their most recent victory of any kind was a uh, they got a series Almost Belgian GP championship in 09. Yeah, so that's how long it's been since Dodge was really at their top level. I mean, then if you want to go even further, the obviously Keselowski's win for the championship in was 2012. And then you look at 
sports car racing, when they came back with the new SRT 10, didn't have a ton of success with it. Andretti backed it and then sort of pulled out and was like, mm, you know, Dodge has been dormant since then. You know, and you talk about new entrance into the Cup Series and things like that, and it obviously changed well, to Peugeot. They haven't been dormant. They just haven't been dormant in track racing. It, well, yeah. Because in NHRA. <laughs> fair. That's fair enough, yeah. Yeah, but that's, you know, what Dodge is literally, that's, that's what a men- muscle car is meant to do. It's supposed yeah. to go fast in a straight line. Right, so, right. And, and I think that even more to boot on that, even the market landscape is changing. The Mustang is not just straight fast in a straight line. It is, but that's not its focus anymore. Camaro is not what its focus is anymore. Lime Rock, I saw both of those cars out on track. Mm-hmm. They are just as much about being a sports car. The Challenger has made zero appearance anywhere, if you, unless you count Trans Am, which is the equivalent of a silhouette race car. It's just got yeah. a Dodge body on it. It's not actually a Dodge, maybe a Dodge engine. But it's not a factory effort. It's not resembling the street car. You know, certainly you look at GT racing, even GT4. To make a GT4 Challenger, from what I have heard, is nearly impossible because of it is so heavy. The chassis is so flexible. You know, it doesn't have the rigidity you need to compete with you know, the M4 it's GT4. On, it's still on the old Daimler chassis. Right. That chassis is like 15 years old. <laughs> um, six, 16. Because the Charger came out in 05. It's 16 years old. Right. Yeah. They're still using that same frame and chassis. Yeah. Which makes you wonder, like, when is Dodge going to round the corner and start to become a little bit more factory relevant again? I mean, I get the Jeep is their best-selling sector. Three is when the Charger and Challenger are supposed to get a monumental update. So that'll be, that'll be, I think, when we see that. I hope they don't, you know, compact them too much to the level of the Mustang and Camaro, because those two have gotten short. They have gotten wider. Yeah. They've gotten yeah. very short compared to the Challenger and even the Charger. Challenger's huge next to my car. Like, it's a yeah. big car. It's effing massive compared to the Mustang nowadays. So, yeah. So it, it, I think, nonetheless, it would be interesting to see, because should they decide to market Dodge instead of Peugeot, not only would it give Dodge a shot at an overall win, which is now something that Chevrolet would be the only one that doesn't have until LMDH comes around, but it, it will trickle down into the road cars, cars and hopefully do exactly what we, we both really want to see, which is a challenger that can rival a GT350R and a ZL1 1LE yeah. you know, on the track. Yeah, and they tried with the whole wide body thing, but that wasn't, it still wasn't a track car. It was, it was, a, it was a quarter mile. Yeah, it was basically to rival the Cobra Jet, you know, which are both purpose-built drag cars. Yeah, and then they came out with the Demon, and they're just like, ha, ah, horsepower. Yes. Like, oh, all, of, <laughs> all of the horsepower. <laughs> and you're paying, you know, $95,000 for a car with 840 horsepower. Yeah, worth it. Yeah, yeah worth it to a point, to a point. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're just we're just bullshitting at this point almost. Yeah, it, it's a lot yeah. like last weekend's. I'm really, really yeah. curious to hear what you keep and what you don't and how it sounds like. It's going to sound like we had a great conversation that was pretty well to the point, so edited. <laughs> Hopefully, like, I'm able to get this one posted because the last week's just, I don't know what the hell happened. I didn't want to do the things I wanted it to do. Let me straighten that out because that looked god awful. I'm rocking uh, my new one. Here, hold on. Oh, 
Oh, oh, I like that. I like that. The more like throwback golfer style almost nowadays. Oh yeah. 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 I like that. That's cool. Rapper Chase Elliott. Had to. <laughs> Actually, my, my fiance got the cooler of the two hats, I think. Oh yeah. Which was hold on. Oh boy. <laughs> you got a bucket. How awesome hat. is this? I mean, like this this hat is not only super comfortable. I mean, it looks weird with the headphones on right now, but I mean, like this is such a cool hat. The fact that like bucket hats are a thing you can buy at the merchandise trailers now, that made me so happy. It's become so <laughs> trendy now. Like it's great. They're awesome, dude. I've always loved bucket hats. Yeah. In fact, I have another one right here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Old Orchard you... Beach and Maine guy. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I got the good old Bush Latte hat on, you know. Always, always got to wear the Bush, Bush Latte. <laughs> Bush Latte, hit me up. Bush <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that... um. I think that'll wrap it up then. I have enjoyed this conversation very much. I think that SRX has a lot of potential to move itself forward. And I like your list. I like the list that you've got in there. It'll be interesting to see because nonetheless, the product that SRX has become, it was a hit. It was not a miss. That was absolutely a hit. Oh yeah, dude. That was, it was a great six weeks of watching that. I hope they, I, they, they better come back. I mean, I, I would think they're going to come back. Right. They absolutely blew up on everything. Um, they they showed that they are someone to take serious. And yeah. next season, I hope it's just a little bit longer. It sucks we got to wait a whole year almost to see them racing again. But SRX, 10 out of 10, two thumbs up. I think it should be back next season. For sure. Hands down. They, um, I really liked conversations we had about that. Um, just really everything today. Like It was just a good, solid conversations we had yeah 100% agree yeah but I think that'll wrap up this I'll have some more recording I gotta do with um uh my number history that I'll do outside of this and that'll that'll be it then for this week hopefully I hopefully I can have this out Thursday that's what I mean to have it out by nice I'm looking forward to it man it's fun as always it's fun as always man I'll see you cheers homie yeah with the discussion with cj completed we're going to move on to a bit of nascar number history this episode we have the number five the five car is synonymous with hendrick motorsports and nascar but we need to look back further than the beginning of hendrick since 1949, yes, the fifth straight number to have origins tracing back to the roots of our beloved sport, the five car has always been a more outside looking in. Cotton Owens was the first man to take the five car to victory lane at Piedmont Interstate Fairgrounds in 1960. There have been many drivers over the years, most before Hen the Hendrick days, Names such as Ralph Earnhardt for a race in 1961, Mario Andretti in 1966, and Richard Childress even ran a race at Atlanta in 1971 in the five car. The most recent drivers were no slouches either. 
Kyle Busch before Mark Martin and followed by Casey Kane. The five was missing from the end of 2017 to the beginning of 2021. When Kyle Larson took the reins of the historic Hendrick Motorsports number, bringing win after win to the organization in such a pace no one expected. The stat line of the five is a little shaky with 1,586 starts that has 49 wins, 307 top fives, 590 top tens, and an average finish of 16.82. Now, obviously, Kyle Larson is going to be here for a while. So let me know what you guys think. Leave a review on here and tell me your ideas of what the five card could bring to the future of the sport. And that is your NASCAR number history on this episode. That's going to wrap up this episode of NASCAR Dosage. Once again, thank you to my buddy CJ Pasciuto for hopping on for this week. Now that we took a month off, a little bit longer than NASCAR did, we're going to get right back into it and try to get you these episodes each and every week. I keep saying that we'll get them each and every week, but hey, we all live busy lives. But be ready for, well, the episode hopefully will come out later this week featuring CJ Pasciuto and another friend of ours, and we are going to have a great what-if scenario for you guys. Be sure to follow me, NASCAR Dosage, on Instagram and Twitter, at NASCAR Dosage. You can find the links to how you listen to the podcast in any way, shape, or form on my Linktree link in the bio of my Instagram. And until then... Y'all have a good one.